2: Jesus said in that passage, he said, I didn't come to condemn you because you're condemned already. Jesus was saying, God gives us a love that cannot be exceeded so that he might give us a life that will not be exhausted so that we might have a light that cannot be extinguished. That's who our God is.
3: You know, if you know that there was a time and a place where you accepted Christ as Savior and Lord, that's all that's required. But if you want to know a date, seek God. And if he wants you to know that, he'll reveal it to you. So I started searching scripture. And so I went back and said, well, the the logic I used based upon my education was sort of a scientific method. I said, well, let me go back to important events in my life where I knew that God was there. And uh, let me search scripture to confirm that and maybe narrow down a date from, from that. So I went to, to an event that occurred in 1978 where I had cancer, uh, very low survivability, uh, cancer at the time. Um, and um, God showed me through His Word, and I, I have my uh, uh, notes from my uh, Bible reading and, and prayer requests. He said, No, you weren't. Very clearly. Okay. Well, I guess I'm going to have to be baptized scripturally because when I got in New Orleans, I was baptized, but I wasn't saved. So So, I got baptized.
2: So I'm going to interrupt because I'm going to share what happened. You were seeking God, make this clear. And really, God said, no, back then when you thought you were saved, you weren't saved. But your response was, oh, I guess I need to go through another ritual. I need to be baptized.
3: So uh, I knew the requirements you have to be saved in order to be baptized just immersion in the water if you're not. So I kept going through these events and there were several and he showed me clearly in his word that you weren't saved you weren't saved then you weren't saved then. I got to the last event wasn't saved then. Now it didn't take a PhD for me to say if I wasn't saved then I'm not saved now because nothing significant has happened since then. And then my question was Well, why? Because I knew intellectually what Scripture said, and I used it in my evangelism explosion presentations. Uh, uh, And so I knew all the steps or stages, but God was telling me I wasn't saved. I said, why not? Why was I not saved? As Pastor Paul was mentioning, everybody in church would have said, ah, Jim Stock is the guy to emulate. Look all the stuff he does. And uh, we had a revival while I was uh, reading the scripture and, and finding this out. And um, I, the pastor who was preaching that, Bailey Smith, who was president of the Southern Baptist Convention, I guess one of his favorite uh, and most well known sermons was the wheat and the Tear parable. And uh, I got thinking about it. I said, Yeah, I'm a tear." What do I need to do to become a wheat? Intellectually, I knew what I had to do. But I said, God, why am I not? Why don't I have that saving faith that I talked to other people about? And he, he was very clear, and that's why I love God's word. He was very clear saying, it's pride. Certainly, Scripture talks a lot about pride, but pride goeth before a fall. And uh, I was going to be, one, if I hadn't seen that, I would have been one of those persons that one day in heaven, I'm standing there waiting to go in the entrance to heaven, and Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you, because pride was separating me. Now, at that time, I wasn't an usher, which I did when I came here years ago, but I was usually about the second or third row of the uh, sanctuary, and uh, right in the front, um, and uh, I was about nine steps from the front. And I, find, I used that on one of my mission trips and preaching to a church in South Africa. So I got to use it later. Um, but during this revival meeting, the invitation was, was given. And as I was standing there, I said, am I going to walk up to the front? There's 600 people that are going to be looking at me Saying, why is he going up there? He does all this stuff. He's a good Christian example. And I, I walked up the nine steps to the associate pastor who was there, and, I, and he said, Jim, what do you need? I said, <laughs> I need to be saved. He said, what? I says, I'm lost. He says, you know what to do. It's pride that's keeping me from that. So I had to go up in front of those 600 people, all of whom thought I was a great Christian, and admit that I was lost. That was overcoming the pride.
2: So, Dr. Stock,
3: that's the day that you got born again. Is that right? That's the day I got born again. I got baptized the third time but for real. <laughs> we're so thankful. We're so thankful
2: that you were born again because God is using you. And as you know, in just a few moments, I'm going to give people in this room the opportunity to do what you did to stand up and step out of a seat and to come here just as some did in the last service when we met together because some of you here need to be born again. And this is surprising to some folks, Dr. Stock, because when some people hear that phrase, we think of emotionalism, or you may think of a preacher that in communicating that is talking like this, if you don't turn, you're going to burn. If if you deny, you're going to fry. And and you think that's, that's the kind of setting, or you think it's just this ultra conservative and you associate it with kind of God and country or patriot, I mean, I don't know, but the, the truth is, these are the words of Jesus, and he says it's a necessity. I've got one more question, and then we're going to move on. Dr. Stock, how did things change after you were born again? I love your answer to this.
3: <laughs> well, I made a comment to people said, you know, it was much easier living the Christian life after I was saved. <laughs> Isn't that than great? Before. So, you know, I got into Bible reading, I got into uh, having a prayer time and all of these other things. I certainly continued doing the things of evangelism and serving as a deacon and, and those things. But I actually saw results. I, I love Even your line. of results.
2: I love your line. It was a lot easier being a Christ follower when I was actually saved. Some of you... Some of you, uh, there's a sin struggle, a habitual sin, or something in your life, and it, it's like Paul's thorn in the, the side. It keeps coming after you, and you're thinking, man, I'm trying, I've done everything I can do. And it, it, I'm just telling you, when you're trusting in anything other than the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you're trusting in self, and you need to be born again. Would you say thank you to Dr. Jim Stock? Thank you, Dr. Thank you. Dr. Stock
3: voice from jesus saying depart from me i never knew you amen That's amen going. hey i want you to ask this question
2: do i need to be born again i love dr stock's story because what he said over and over again i knew you see your spouse may not know the person beside you your coworker, your neighbor they might not know but i believe you know And if you have any confusion, I believe God will clarify that in your life. Somebody will say, well, no, that's the devil that makes me doubt my salvation. Just think about that. How dumb would the devil have to be to make you doubt whether or not you're saved? Oh, come here, Brother Jim. Uh, Now, you need to really think whether or not you need to take those nine steps and get saved so you can go to heaven. That's not the devil's strategy. He's a liar. He's a deceiver, but he's not going to make you doubt. If you're struggling with doubt today, if you're needing clarity, maybe that's the Holy Spirit of God saying you need to be born again. So let's continue. Verse four, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Notice when he asked how he doesn't say why. And that's what some of you do when you come to the things of God. Rather than saying, God, well, what do I need and why do I need it? You, you think about the how and it slows you down because you're afraid of what others will think or you're afraid of what you've done in your past. And, and the how paralyzes you. In Nicodemus' case, he was looking for information. And yet information is never what changes us. You can be a biblical scholar and spent eternity separated from God in hell. He thought he needed information, but what he needed was transformation. And what Jesus is saying is that there's no salvation in information that lacks transformation. And, and you may have been in a Bible drill. You, you may have uh, gone to Sunday school all your life. You may have walked down an aisle and been dumped in a water. And, and you may have been to confirmation or church class, but you've never been transformed. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ they're a new creation, all the old things have passed away. All things have become new. It's not what you know. It's who you know. In fact, all my life I've been in church When my dad was the pastor and nearly 30 years as I've served in ministry and pastored, And I hear people, they get upset and they want to leave a church because it's not deep enough. And I I don't know if I've ever seen anyone that literally is leaving because it's not deep enough. Usually there's something they disagreed with and that's okay. Maybe it was worth disagreeing with, but it's not because it's not deep enough. The, The truth is most of us don't need more educating. We're educated beyond our obedience. It's not the truth you know that changes you. It's the truth you apply. We need to apply the truth that God has given us. So let's continue. Verse five. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. So Jesus says, you want to know how this is not from you. This is not something you do. It's from above. That word, again, can also be translated above. He's saying you need to be born from above. The way you're born from above is that it's not of anything you do. It's of God. God reaches down and changes you. Some of you have spent your life trying to change yourself, and you're nothing but frustrated because you can't do it. The only one who can change you is God. And so Jesus, one step ahead, as he always is, says, let me see if I can explain this to you, Nick. You know that night breeze we feel right now? That wind that's blowing those long locks on your head? Where is that coming from? And Nicodemus is like, I don't know. Right, you don't know where the wind comes from, but you sense it. You know it's there. And the same thing is what happens when God comes from above and changes you. So Nicodemus again says in verse 9, how can these things be? Maybe that's your problem today. You're caught up on the how. And Jesus is just saying, Trust me. Jesus said, Are you, notice this, he says, Are you the teacher of Israel? So now we realize Nicodemus is not only a Pharisee, very religious, he's not only of that sect that makes him a ruler of the Pharisees, he's the teacher. I want you to think about someone who you would identify in our culture today as the Christian. Just get that person in your mind. Usually because of my lifetime and my influence, I think of Billy Graham. He was the Billy Graham of that day. He knew more about the things of God than anyone on the planet other than the one he was talking to, Jesus Christ himself. And Jesus says, are you the teacher of Israel and you don't understand? What is he saying? You you can be Religious and not be regenerate. Are you an unsaved Christian? You identify yourself that way because mama told you to walk the aisle when you turned a certain age, or because your family grew up in church, or because you're an American and somehow you've identified that with your patriotism? It's nonsense. You need to be born again. So then Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we've seen, but you do not receive our testimony. He's describing what happens in church every Sunday all across the world. You come in and you hear the word of God. and That's what Jesus says. You've heard the words, but you don't receive it. You walk out and you leave what's happened there like a crumpled bulletin on your seat. Nothing has changed. Jesus said, if I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how could you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one's ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven. And then I think he kind of did like this and said, the son of man. And then he gets on Nicodemus's turf. He says, so as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. He, He talked with Nicodemus about something Nicodemus would understand. The Old Testament. If we had time, we would turn to Numbers 21. In Numbers chapter 21, you have this story that Jesus refers to. The children of Israel are once again complaining about Moses and to God. So they're complaining about their leader, and they're really complaining to God. And God did not like that then. And by the way, God does not like that now. And so God responds rather harshly. He sends poisonous snakes began to bite the people the next time you gossip about your pastor or your church you need to pause and say thank you jesus for not sending a poisonous state but that's what he did and so moses being tender-hearted moses began to pray to god oh god these are my family this is my brothers and sisters these are your children oh god spare them don't kill them all and so god told moses okay I want you to take and make a model of the very thing that has taken their life. Make a bronze snake serpent and put it on a pole and hold that pole up, and anybody that looks at that pole will be saved. It's in that context. That Jesus then looks at Nicodemus and says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish. But have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is is not condemned. But whoever does not believe. Is condemned already. Because he's not believed in the name of the son. The only son of God. You see. In the Old Testament story. The people. ...who were bit by the snake and injected with the poison... ...they were going to die... ...unless... ...they looked at the serpent on the pole. And and the truth is, Jesus was saying, Nicodemus... ...you and everybody else... ...even the most religious... ...even the church attenders on a Sunday morning... ...even those who are deacons and leaders... ...and praise team members and technical workers people on the cameras, everybody has been bitten and they're poisoned with sin and that sin is going to be punished by death and the only way to have life instead of that death is to not look to a serpent on a pole but to look to a Savior on a cross. That's the context of John 3.16. The most famous verse in the Bible. And I believe that passage speaks to questions that you may have today. So let me just give you three things that Jesus says about some of our faith questions. Number one, Jesus says, you must be born again. I want to be very clear. Christianity is an exclusive religion. You can't embrace what Christianity teaches and accept popular opinion today. Popular opinion today says we're all God's children. It says there's many paths to God. It says even if, if you're a good Muslim or if you're a good Buddhist or if you're a good whatever, you're probably going to end up in heaven. That is contrary to Scripture. Either what Jesus has said is true Or it's not. If it's not true. Then you're dumb. For wasting your time. Believing part of it. If it is true. Whoever you are. Whatever you've done. You must. Be born. Again. If I want to be a good Muslim. You know what I have to do. I want to be a good Muslim, I just follow the five pillars of Islam. There are things I have to do. If I want to be a good Buddhist, you know what I have to do? I follow the noble eightfold path. There are things I have to do. If I want to be a good Hindu, (laughs) I just have to figure out a way to please some of the millions of gods that there are. But if I want to be a Christian, I must be born again. The second thing Jesus speaks to, the second thing he answers is Nicodemus's how question. Jesus says it takes faith to be born again. Just as you don't see the wind, you're, you're, you're not going to understand all of this. Jesus gives us permission to have questions. He's not intimidated by your questions. And guess what? that's okay that you have questions. to Some of the problems that we face is we try to put God in a box. We think we've got to get it all figured out. And the truth is, I am so grateful that my God is bigger than me, that he's a God of mystery. I embrace the mystery because I recognize that I can only understand it if I trust what I cannot see. I try not to use Greek words because I don't want you to think you need to know Greek to read the Bible. But in this case, there is some significance. The word that we've all of our lives translated believe is the word pastuo. And it means really to believe, yes, but to trust or to place your confidence in. So Jesus was saying to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you have placed your confidence in all of these laws that you've followed, all of this knowledge that you have, all of these things that you've done. But that's not going to get you where you need to be. Your confidence needs to be in me. Paul put it this way in Ephesians. He says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of your own doing. It's a gift of God. It's not a result of works lest anyone should boast. And the truth is, some of you have been caught up in those works. If you were to be asked today, what is saving you? You would probably answer like, Lots of people throughout history, well, I tried to do my best if, if you put the good things on one side and the bad things on the other side. I would hope the good would outweigh the bad and God would say, come on in. And, and yet, as you've heard today, that's not the answer. It doesn't matter how good you are. It's not good enough. It doesn't matter how many works you've done. You'll never do enough. And yet some of you, you're turned off by the things of church because you've been at churches where the ones think that way and they walk around boasting because of all their works. Probably unregenerate, unsaved. Jesus says you must be born again. Jesus says it takes faith to be born again. And then Jesus says when you're born again, you live forever. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And though this is the most familiar verse in the Bible, I think it's been confusing. Because... All of us understand that we die. Most of us have lived enough to see someone we love die. And so we quote that verse and we say, yes, we got eternal life, but we don't understand it. And again, this is a little bit of a language thing. The the truth is, these earliest followers of Jesus that understood this, these who had seen Jesus, like Peter and Paul, they talked of death differently. Listen to Paul as he's talking to his young mentee, Timothy. He says in 2 Timothy 4, 6, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come.
1: You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support.